Now, we were asked to uh, choose a character from the Bible. I chose Boaz. I thought, nice, easy character. Get in first, Alan, before anybody else chooses him. And I managed to do that. Now, Boaz is mentioned in the Old Testament in the book of Ruth, as you know. Ruth was written and takes place in the days of the judges, which was about 1010 BC. It was written to the people it was written to the people of Israel by an unknown author. The Israelites are now living in the promised land, but a bit like us, they had quickly forgotten the things God had done for them. From their time in captivity, when God led them out all the way to the promised land, time and time again, they turned their back on God or disobeyed him. This left Israel in a bit of a state. Israel seemed to be in a free fall. Now, I want you to turn to the book of Judges, 21, chapter 21, verse 25. And what I want you to do is when we finish, not to close your Bibles, but to keep them open. By doing so, I promise you that I will make the sermon shorter if you keep your, book, your Bibles open. <laughs> Judges 21, 25. It's nice and easy. In those days, Israel had no king. Everybody did as they saw fit. So there's the background to Ruth. In those days, Israel had no king. Everybody did as they saw fit. So... Unfortunately, somebody has closed their Bible. So the 30 seconds that you were going to save on the sermon by not having to turn it up has now been lost. So for those that have lost their page, please turn to the book of Ruth. If you didn't close your Bible, it's nice and simple. It's just the next book. We're going to be looking at chapter 2 of Ruth, where we're going to be introduced to this character, Boaz. But first, a brief outline of chapter one, because it's always good to put things into context. And the emphasis is really on brief. Right, verse one, there's a famine in Judea. Verse two, a man from Bethlehem, together with his wife and two sons, leave and go and live for a while in the country of Moab. So far, so good. The man's name was Abimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the name of his two sons was Malon and Kelon. They were Ephrodites, they were Ephrodites, meaning faithful, because I looked that up, from Bethlehem in Judea. It's funny, isn't it, how the name Bethlehem comes up time and time again in the Bible. I'm sure I've read it in the New Testament somewhere. The two sons married Moabite women, Ophrah and Ruth. There are two things you should know about the Moabites. One, they are descendants of an ancestral relationship. In Genesis, Lot's daughter became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son and she named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites today. And secondly, whilst marriage to a Moabite woman was not forbidden, no Moabite 
or their descendants to the tenth generation was allowed to enter the assembly of the Lord. And you can find that in Deuteronomy. Right, back to the quick run-through of Ruth 1. Verse 4. Ten years on, whilst living in Moab, Abimelech and his two sons die, leaving the widows behind them. Naomi, in verse 6, gets to hear things are improving in her own land and in the town of Bethlehem. Verse 8. She makes a decision to return home. She tells her two Moabite daughters-in-law to stay in their own country as, it is a little, as there is little or no future for them in the land, which, whilst not openly hostile, hostile towards them, they will be made to feel uncomfortable. Opram decides to stay. But Ruth, on the other hand, says in verse 16, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Verse 18. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her to stay in her own country. Verse 19, so Naomi and Ruth left Moab and journeyed to Bethlehem. Verse 19 again, when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town is stirred because of them. And the women explain, can this be Naomi? Naomi now was not a happy person. Look at what she says. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Almighty the Almighty has made my life bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call, Ni why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me and the Lord has brought misfortune on me. Now, I just want to pause there for a minute and just throw out a little, th little thought for you. And you may find this a little bit controversial and come back to me if you disagree with me at the end of the service. Naomi has, no, I'll start again, coming to church today, right. you could have come out to church today thinking, we're going to come and hear a brilliant sermon, and you walk to church, and you walk to church, you come in, and you hear a brilliant sermon. You go home, you have a lovely day at home, and you say, God's been really good to me today, I've really got something out of that sermon, absolutely terrific. On the other hand, the following Sunday, you come to church. On the way here, you, you fall off the curb and twist your ankle. You get here expecting to hear a good sermon. You've got me instead, right? You go home, but because I've been preaching for so long, your dinner's spoiled, right? And you feel absolutely rubbish. But it's the same God. It's the same God for the Sunday before. It's the same God for today. And so often, we are too quick to give God the credit when things go wrong and not credit him even when things go bad. Right? I believe that all good gifts around us are sent from heaven above, but it's the same God that brings adversity on us 
For example, ill health, relationship problems and even weeds in your garden. It's how we deal with them that defines us. Do we give up or do we allow God to refine us through adversity? I just want to add one little thing to this. That was easy for me to say. But I'm not the best at doing it, am I, Jane? (laughs) So, like all things that we learn, words are easy, put them into actions are sometimes difficult. But we are human, and God knows that. In the last chapter of verse, in the last chapter, uh, sorry, in the last verse of chapter one, Ruth's, Naomi's, Ruth and Naomi's fortunes start to change. Naomi <coughs> returns from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest begins. So that's interesting, isn't it? She's come back just as the barley harvest is beginning. So we're now going to pick up the story from Ruth 2. Now, I've just got one thing to say. All you people that have been in the church for a long time are probably expecting a nice little sermon on Boaz being in Naomi's and Ruth, Kingsman Redeemer. Okay, You've heard that preached many times, where uh, Ruth marries Boaz, uh, <coughs> And how we can see from the book of Ruth, there's a parallel that leads us to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is absolutely true. But I'm going to disappoint you today. I'm not going to talk on that. I hope to draw out a few points to consider in your personal outreach to others and the outreach of the church as a whole. Good works, good deeds, love towards one another, Love in action. Okay? Now, I know this could be controversial, so bear with me to the end. As believers in Jesus Christ, the greatest command we have is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Everybody here would agree to that that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a second part to that verse. Love the Lord Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now here's the second part. Love your neighbour as yourself. That's from Mark 12. There is no command greater than these. So if we love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul, does it not go without saying that we should do the same to our neighbours? We can be so busy sometimes in life, can't we? We we heard the story of the Good Samaritan, that's why I asked for it to be read. There's the priest hurrying off to do his priestly duties. It could be us coming to church or something like that. And we we somebody's in need and we we step over them, perhaps literally or figuratively. But anybody can stop and help that person. So Who are your neighbours? Have you ever stopped to think of that question? Who are your neighbours? Where did your neighbours come from? Who put them there? Well, I've got an easy answer to each of these four or five questions I've got. So every time I ask a question now, just reply, or just think of the reply God did. 
That's very important. God did. Who, where did your neighbours come from? Who put them there? God did. In fact, who put you where you are? God did. Who gave you your friends? God did. Who gave you the person you, are sitting, you sit next to at work? God did. Look around this chapel today. Who put the person sitting in the next set of chairs here today on the 8th of August 2021? God did. I have faith that God put these people in my life and I'm in theirs. I have faith in God through his grace, of his, uh, uh, through the grace given to me by the Lord Jesus Christ and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I hope you do as well. So, is faith all I need? Well, the answer is yes and no. It's not that easy, is it? Um, I've written in my notes, wait for a sharp intake of breath. <laughs> Thank you. Um, faith is a very hard thing to describe, isn't it? At home, or in this building even, we've got a thing called a smoke detector. Now, because of my past history and my past work, I have faith in my smoke detector that it will give me an early warning in case of fire. I also have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If my smoke detector went off, I would be a bit silly, wouldn't I, if I just, oh, that's the smoke detector's gone off, there's a fire. I need to do something about it. I need to get off my backside and go out the building. Right? So that's what I'm defining as words, deeds, uh, sorry, as actions. I would be silly just to sit there. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes or daily, and daily food. If one of you says, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, Faith by itself, uh, in the same way, faith by itself is not, a, if, if it's not accompanied, is, is, is dead actions. Some examples. I don't know if you've ever been feeling down and needing someone to come alongside you. Churches sometimes can be the worst place for this. Oh, I'm terribly sorry to hear about what's happened to you. You must come round for dinner. I will give you a call midweek. And you think, oh, that's really great. And then nothing happens. And you feel absolutely terrible because of that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not abdicating. I'm not saying that good works by themselves, you cannot be saved by good works alone. However, if you have faith, your good works or deeds are witness in themselves to your faith. They are part of the Holy Spirit's work, uh, outworking of your faith. Right. Now we're just going to come back and look at some examples of some things that Boaz did. So I'm just going to read Ruth 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the 
clan, a clan of Abimelech, whose name was Boaz. Now, it's not a very good story, is it? Because it's told you the ending already, who Boaz is. And Ruth and Moab, Ruth the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up leftover, gra- uh, leftover grain behind anyone in, sorry, behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered the field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Abimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters with the words, the Lord be with you. I just wondered if he was an Anglican. Do you think, Simon? Yes. <laughs> um, the Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseers of the harvest, who does the young woman belong to? The overseers replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among your sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said, my daughter, listen to me. Do not go and glean in another field and do not go away from here. Stay here with the woman, with the women who, are, who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you and, whatever you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favour in your eyes? You notice me, a foreigner. Boaz replied, I have, to- I have been told all about you, uh, what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, whose, under wing, uh, whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have, put, you have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do, do not have any standing of one of your servants. In the meantime, Boaz said, come over here and have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roast grain. She ate all that she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her glean among the sheaves and do not reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and do not rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephra. She carried it back to the town where her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out uh, and gave her what she had left over from having eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean? 
Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one who's in place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today was Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing me kindness to, uh, kindness to the living and the dead, she added. This man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it would be good for you to go back, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because if someone else is filled, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz until the barley and wheat harvest was finished. She lived with her mother-in-law. Sorry if I got a bit tongue-tied. In verse 1, Naomi has a, we find Naomi has a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing, the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Verse 2, Ruth and Ruth the Moabite says to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favouring. Naomi says, go on. Verse 3, she went out to the field and began to glean. As it turned out, now there's a coincidence, isn't it? As it turned out. She was working in the field belonging to Boaz. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters with the Lord be with you and the Lord bless you. Now it's interesting because straight away we see that Boaz must have been a man of standing and a believer in God. And he's told his workers that, hasn't he? So we've got Boaz, who is a male, he is an Israelite, he, is in his, he owns land and he's possibly rich, a man of standing. He's also a man of God, which I've just touched on. But you've got Ruth, on the other hand, who is a woman, a Moabite. She is poor, a gleaner and an outsider. But he notices Ruth. Boaz asks the overseers, who does that woman belong to? Here we can start to see Boaz's faith in actions through his deeds. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Deed number one, don't go and glean in another field and don't go far away from here. Deed number two, stay with the women who work for me. Deed number three, Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. Deed number four, I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. Deed number five, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink of water from the jars that the men have filled. So there we see five deeds straight away. At this she bowed down with her face on the ground. She asked, why have I found favour in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? Now, we learn things every day. <clears throat> and it was only 
a, a week ago that I learned when somebody bows down, I don't mean like that, because that's what I've always assumed it is. It's actually falling prostrate on the floor in front of the person. So in Old Testament and New Testament times, when somebody bows down, think of them being on the floor. So when they look up, they've got to look a long way up. Boaz replies, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people that you did not, be lo- did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the God, the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now, time and time again here, We've referred to that bit, haven't we, about taking refuge under wings. Remember Simon's talked about the mother hen that protects her young, etc., which we find in Matthew. So it's interesting that he's using that expression. And did you notice deed number six? He bothered to find out about her and to praise her. He just hadn't taken her for granted. Who is she? Where does she come from? What has she been doing? Oh, that's really good. You've done a really good job, Ruth, with your mother-in-law coming with her from a foreign land. I wouldn't have done that. And at mealtimes, he says to her, come over here, have some bread, dip it in the wine vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her her roast grain. Not just roast grain, but all that she wanted to eat with some left over. So it wasn't doing the bare minimum. It was going beyond that. So that's deed seven and eight. In verse 15 and 16, she got up to glean. Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and do not reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them to pick, to pick up and don't rebuke her. So deed number nine, Boaz gave orders to his men let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Deed number 10, pull out some stalks for her from the bundle and leave her for them to pick up. The concept for gleaning is when wheat and barley were ready to be harvested, some of the grain was allowed to fall on the ground so that the poor could gather what they needed for provisions. Israel's law also required that the corners of the field were not to be harvested. The purpose of this law was to feed the poor and the orphans, the widows and the foreigners. It served as a safety net. When you reap and harvest your land, do not reap to the very edges of the field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over the vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them from the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. And you find that in Leviticus. Now, by telling his men to pull out some stalk, Boaz goes beyond the law and shows grace to Ruth, a foreigner. So what impression does that have? Well, when we go back and we see what Ruth tells her mother-in-law, Naomi, Naomi says to her, well, don't go to another field tomorrow. Go back where you were. 
her, his actions had impressed Naomi and Ruth so much that they go back for more. Now, with the story of Ruth in Boaz, there's so much more. But you'll be pleased to know I'm going to stop there. Now, we have some applications for us today. How do we show faith to others as Boaz did through our good deeds? What good deeds could we do for people who are our neighbours, remember God put them there, friends, work colleagues, etc.? Now, unfortunately, I don't own a field, so I can't leave my gleanings for people. But I might employ somebody. Do I give them a living wage? Do I give them a decent wage? Think of what Boaz did. He gave Ruth more. At home, we could do the shopping. These things may seem mundane, but they might just have that impression on your neighbour. We could do the shopping for them. We could give them lifts. We could take in their Amazon parcel. There's a 21st century to think about. Amazon parcels. <coughs> Helping out during illness. Not just saying we're going to do it, but actually doing it. Another little controversial one. We could actually join a non-Christian group. Okay, So I really like the work that Paul Young does with Off the Fence. Okay. I really like the things that a Christian anti-abortion group wants to do. Would I be more effective, or would you be more effective, joining a non-Christian anti-abortion group? And saying to them, you know, then when someone says, I don't believe in abortion, why don't you believe in abortion? Well, actually, I don't believe in abortion because I think it's against what God says. What do you mean? Well, I'm a Christian. You've got an opening. We have, we have a danger of becoming Christian ghettos and not moving outside that. That's what I'm trying to say. Does that come across? But we need to approach our deeds in a godly manner. The person whom you're doing this good deed for might be the worst person in the world, but God put them there. Think of all those people that you read about in the scriptures that were what you might call horrible, that God used 